Ah, there we go. Okay, we'll get some things going. A little music. And... Alvin Lee ushering us into another little two-hour get-together here at the Radio Ranch. Today is the Friday edition, and uh, that means Mr. Brent Winters is with us. I believe he's with us. And uh, it's the Radio Ranch with Brent, con Brent, as they would say in uh, uh, in Spanish, and not sin Brent. How about that, Brent? Sin Brent. That'd be without Brent. The other days well, were sin Brent. So this yeah. is con Brent, right? So Preposition. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Prepositions are the most defining and necessary part of speech to any tongue. And without prepositions, we do not know what the relationship between anything is, things and things, or people and people, Mm -hmm. or things and people. So prepositions are indispensable to any meaningful speech. And so when you say with and and Spanish con would be like Latin, I suppose. Oh, uh, very much so, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and by the way, our common law is is organized around relationships. Unlike the law of the city, our law of the land is organized around relationships. The law of the city is organized around subject, just plain subject. You can buy the Code of Justinian in its various forms. It'll be a few volumes, four or five probably. And it'll be according to subject. It'll say admiralty law, tort law, contract law, family law. But if you get the digest of the, in a common law country like ours, you get, for example, Amjur, 60, 70 volumes. You'll find, you'll find uh, on the bindings on the shelf, it'll be in alphabetical order. According to relationship, it'll say promisor, promisee, lindor, lindee, bailor, bailey. Master, master servant. Master servants. Yeah, that's a big one. But the Bible organizes all of its law that way, too. That's why the two tables of the ten davarims, the ten davarims, called the Ten Commandments inaccurately. That's not what they are. They're Dabarims, which they aren't commands. They're not in the imperative. But those ten are organized according to relationship. The first table, five, uh, is about a person's his vertical relationship with his maker. The last five are about his horizontal relationship with his neighbor. Again, according, and then it breaks down, of course, it breaks down further into further relationships from there. God's way of organizing his will, which is his law, just his will, that's what it is. The will of the sovereign is law, is according to relationships. And within those relationships, I was thinking this week, Roger, about a case I got involved in, and I filed it in two small county, rural county courts, uh, the fellow that I was suing was uh, was a government employee, 
And so he removed it to a federal court and we, they threw it out. And then I went back and, uh, did some things in state court. They didn't want to take it. And then it went up to federal court. They threw it out again. And then I took it to a federal appellate court and went all the way. Almost. See, that was almost getting to the Supreme court to the United States. Right. And yeah. One step away. Yeah. It was a case about, about slander, which says the law of libel. Now we had a fellow here on the show last week at the very end, last 10 minutes. And he wrote, his name is Paul, and I'm reading, he wrote this, apparently, speaking of me, he is a very common lawyer, meaning he is exactly like every other effing lawyer. And he he spelled it out, effing. Now, I thought this would be a good opportunity to teach about an important part of our common law, which is the law of libel. It's real, and that common law, libel is a criminal matter. Brent, could I could be, hold that libel? is Because there's somebody that's got their mute open from area code 615 that's getting a lot of this irritating background noise or buses or something. If you could, whoever's area 615 there, thank you very much. They just muted. Thank you. Go ahead, Brent. Well, he anyway, he said this like every other effing lawyer. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, well, I remember that happening once before, only it was a government employee, and he he uh, screamed some childish obscenities like that in a large building where a lot of people could hear about me. And so I took him to task and took him to court, and I got to the appellate court, and they agreed that I was right. Um, defaming another person is actionable, of course, sometimes criminal in some states, depending upon the situation, but at all times it is uh, non-criminal, but it carries a uh, possibility of paying damages. And the idea of libel actions when it's non-criminal is to not punish anybody. That's not what the idea is. That's not the idea behind it. What's behind it is uh, to repair the reputation of the person whose reputation has, has been, been damaged. damaged. Yeah. Now, slander is verbal and libel is written. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. But we just call it the law of libel because there's really no distinction. Words are words. One's a record of what was is said, and one is what is said. But it comes down to the same thing. It's like the Bible. The Bible is the record of what was said, what God said, and what he once said. And it's not audible, but tongues are made to be spoken primarily and heard, as the Bible says. Faith doesn't come by reading, as it says. Faith comes by hearing. And because not everybody can read, so that's the, the way to say it. But, uh, of course, when it's spoken out loud to a third party other than the person who you're defaming, it becomes immediately actionable. And you say, oh, no, it doesn't. Somebody say, that has to meet certain standards. No, no, no. It's actionable. And even though the standards may not be met by the action, the person who can bring the action can take the other fellow for a ride. That's what happens. And that's what happened in my case. Of course, I was right. It's simple matter. You defame another person. Oh, by the way, if you defame, and this is important for all of us to understand because it's lost. 
of this whole idea is lost. And men used to take pistols and shoot at each other over things like this. Sure but did. We, we'd rather, oh, it was part of the culture, as Supreme Court Justice uh, Fields pointed out. Uh, he lived in it. He said, don't criticize people who live in that culture. I lived in it. And you don't have an understanding of it unless you were there. Uh, men challenging each other duels you should but talk about fields you've mentioned that. him before you hadn't talked about him in a long time maybe you can get around back to him later because he's an interesting character and that's an interesting scenario and setup go well, ahead though. A pretty good supreme court, supreme court justice right-headed fundamentally but um the reason we have these actions is to avoid violence that's what it's for i mean if somebody calls you an ugly name and defames you now here's another interesting twist interesting because it's meaningful uh if somebody defames you in your uh profession like this here he's nothing but an effing lawyer if they defame you in your profession you don't have to prove damages really any other defamation well there's a couple if they accuse you of having this is kind of humorous a loathsome social disease well, you don't have to prove damages about that either. And by the way, in those cases, <laughs> in those cases, the truth doesn't matter. Oh, truth is a defense. No, no, no. There's more to it than that. And the, the important point in that is you just don't say these things about other people. That's what God says, and that's what our common law says. And if you do, it's actionable. All right, hold, uh, Brent, hold on again. we got somebody else with their mute open. And the other, yeah, there you go. Uh, that we want to bring to this is uh, the other lesson we want to bring to this is we don't want this kind of behavior on this platform. And uh, so I ran this thing through. I ran this thing through, uh, through the law, what happened. And I said, oh, yeah, I see how that works. Now, some slander and some libel is in the public forum. Well, no, I shouldn't say it that. It's someone who has shoved, them, shoved themselves into the public spotlight. For instance, Donald Trump, old DJ. He put himself in the public spotlight, and then a lot of criticism came his way that was more than ugly, more than name-calling. I remember seeing one picture of a, a gal who had a, a, a likeness of the head of Donald Trump in her hand, holding oh. it by the hair, it had been chopped off his body. That was the picture. Um, that's going too far, and it should be. Well, a person like that uh, normally would be arrested. Yes. And jailed and tried. And because... And, uh, she, and, and she was some Hollywood person. Oh, yeah, yeah. And her religious point of view didn't go along with DJs, by the way. I looked into that a little bit too, and that's always what's at the bottom of that kind of viciousness is a hatred. Of course. Men, men fight. We've talked about men fight, men contend, and men go to war over religion. There's no other reason to go to war, and that's the only reason men do go to war because they cannot agree on a common external standard whereby to govern their relationship. And if you cannot agree, on a common external standard whereby to govern your relationship, you've only got two choices. Get away from each other if the world's wide enough, or you're going to have to go to battle at some point. And we hope that it's, of course, in court where that happens, because otherwise people get unnecessarily hurt. I've known people that have had that problem. I knew a fellow one time that was in high school. He was a high school student several years ago. 
And uh, he told me the story himself. And uh, uh, Richard Nixon was president of the United States at that time. And and uh, Richard Nixon came to their town. It was a pretty big town. I won't say what it is. I don't want to give people an idea of where to go to find out about people. But he was a young high school student. He was a little bit crazy. He was a black man, still is, as far as I know. He's, of course, <laughs> up in his 60s now. And uh, he screamed out. He told me exactly what he said. He was in the crowd with a bunch of boys, and they were just being boys. And Richard Nixon was walking along, shaking hands, and he screamed out, I'm going to kill him. Uh-oh. I'm going to kill him. Well, it wasn't long that he was cooling his his uh, he, in jail. Right, his heels. They were doing an investigation on him and all of his friends. Well, they were just being stupid and crazy, and they'd heard the other homies in their neighborhood talk about how much they hated Richard Nixon, and it was just fashionable, and he didn't realize, of course. And by the way, he was a, a peach of a fella. When I knew him, he was older. But he didn't realize as a young fella that you shouldn't say things like that, and he learned his lesson. But you shouldn't say things like that um, to, about anybody. You shouldn't scream out, you're going to kill them, or you're going to... Um, use obscenities like this Paul did here on the public platform. Those things are actionable to repair for the reason of repairing the reputation, accusing somebody, for instance, in this case, accusing someone of, of uh, being uh, less than proficient in his profession. Um, this happens a lot. Of course, I've had a lot of people do it to me. I'm sure all of you listening have had people do that to you and you don't bring actions every time it happens. But there's sometimes you end up doing that. And I have done that before. Like I was saying, when it was a government employee, I did it. The court agreed with me, but then they, they uh, put their opinion in what the appellate courts called an unpublished opinion. That means, and they'll say right on there, it can't be used for precedent. It has no precedential force. You know, there are three branches of government in our common law tradition. Three branches. There are not three branches in other in the in the other tradition. There's only one other tradition of religion, law, and government. Just one, and it comes under uh, many different labels, but it's always fundamentally the same: filthy, stinking, low down, smelly, moldy manure. We used to go out in the barn and scoop the manure out, and Dad back the manure wagon up. And we used to have manure wagons that were ground driven. That means you'd pull them. And when the wheels would turn, that would move a little chain, two chains on the bed of the manure wagon, move that the chains along, and it would drag the manure to the, the manure that was on the bottom of the pile, drag it to the back, and there'd be a, it'd drag it off, it'd fall off the end, and there was a slinger that would turn. It would just spin around, and it would sling that stuff everywhere, ground-driven, and we'd be out there scooping it out. And, you know, cattle have a habit and we had cattle and horses and they had a habit uh, of uh, fouling their nest. Hogs won't do that. Hogs will keep it clean as a pen where they sleep. They'll make a waller someplace else, which is necessary for them because they don't sweat and they want to cool off and they don't want bugs on their body. They do like the buffalo do. The buffalo do the same thing. They, they waller in mud. Other animals do that and the mud then cakes on their bodies and the blowflies and the other critters can't 
get at their blood. That's why they do that. But they keep where they sleep clean. But cattle and horses don't do that. As soon as you get them in the barn, they start piling the barn high. And if you don't scoop it out, you won't even be able to walk in the door. After a while, you think I'm kidding. I've seen fellas uh, let their barns go long enough. They had to about get down on their hands and knees, get in the door. <laughs> That's not a joke. I knew this one fella. He was a lawyer. <laughs> he was a lawyer. We had one, one. I had two lawyers around that part of the town, and um, one of them, everybody called him Judge. He'd been a judge long before. He was a big BS artist. That lived in a big nice house. And the other uh, was named. His name was Ripstraw. Ripstraw. I don't remember his first name. Everybody liked old Ripstraw. Brent. Brent. Call Ripshaw for a second. Okay. I want you to listen to this this noise in the background here. Uh, you know, I, I invite you all to come on the platform here, and I know there's probably some new people. When you come on, please, please be considerate of what we're doing. And I understand this is new software. You may be new to it. There's always a mute button on there. And if you don't, these microphones are very, very sensitive, and all the background noise feeds into here, and it interrupts from what we're trying to get done here. So please, please, I don't mind you being here, but please recognize what we're trying to do and be a little more considerate if you would. Let's see if it's quit now okay good go ahead Brent, uh, please keep talking yeah it's like trying to talk over crying babies at church. i know i know i know that's not a problem i don't i don't complain about that now crying babies at church or that's production i don't complain about that and i'll i'll talk over them if i if they're crying babies and i want the, all the little children to be out there to listen you know they'll pick up more than you think they will if they're if there's something being said worthwhile and a lot of churches now they shove them off in a youth group or something and so they can learn how to pump each other up to more foolishness and silliness but uh this fellow's name was ripstraw yeah people liked him but this other fella somehow had the ability to get a lot of money and he wanted to be in the cattle business so he had a farm or two and he had these cattle and he bought some bulls and he but he didn't know nut or didn't take time or whatever i don't know what it was he wouldn't he never did scoop the manure out of the barns and he'd keep his bulls tied in the barn up by the manger inside the feedway would be in the middle and uh, he never cleaned the barn now so the if you can picture this you got this bull tied to an oak beam right by the manger inside the barn and the bull's hind haunches his legs were about a foot and a half, two foot higher than his head, or his front feet, where the front feet were. So his hind were <laughs> like way up in the air because he wouldn't clean out the barn. And uh, finally got, in one case, I didn't see this, but I had another fellow tell me this part of it. said he saw the, the bull's haunches uh, approaching the rafter. It was a low rafter. You know, there's two kinds of barns, uh, Roger. There are two kinds of barns, and these barns that were in the Midwest and come and clean out to uh, well, in the Alleghenies and then across the Ohio Valley and come and clean out uh, Idaho, not Wyoming, Idaho, Oklahoma. Uh, but Idaho, uh, Wyoming was different because Wyoming was settled by Scandinavians and Bohemians, and they didn't have barns like that. But uh, the uh, British settlers and the Germanic settlers the German settlers, they had barns, two different kind of barns, and you can still see some of the old ones around the Midwest. One of the English-style barn is a 
fundamentally the same. They had feedways and mangers and all, but and two two places for cattle to get in on both sides of the feedway. But the English barn was kind of tall and narrow and had a steep a steeper pitch to the roof, whereas the Dutch and German barns uh, had a sloping roof that sloped out as mm-hmm. it came. And uh, the ones that sloped out, he had one of these kind of barns, and the haunches of the bull were about to touch the rafters on one end of the barn. That's how bad it got. But when you turn that manure over in the inside of the barn, scooping out like my brother Dave and I used to do, it was it was putrid down underneath, as you can imagine. And of course, been there weeks or months. And every time you turn it over, the deeper you go, the more putrid it would get. And that's what happens in a country like ours when the evil and the lack of uh, decency and the lack of law, the lawlessness starts to pile up. It gets more and more putrid and we're looking at it. It is coming. We're, li- we're living it. We're not well, looking at it. We're living it. People are arguing and saying that people, children in school that want to sodomize other children have rights to do that. <laughs> That, that I'm, of course, you know I'm not joking. I don't want to live in that world, but here we are. I was just thinking this morning when I was considering shaving, which I didn't, almost did, but I was considering, I said, you know, I knew people when I was a kid. I knew people who remembered people, who remembered people that remembered the ratification of the Constitution of the United States. Wow. And we're not that far removed from our beginnings. Now, those people I knew, I'm thinking of my had a, well, one fell in church, old August. He was, uh, I remember when we had his 100th birthday party. That was in 1960 or 1961. And then uh, my grandmother, or my great-grandmother, Kinsey, she was uh, from back that far, pretty near, and she remembered people that, remembered the ratification of the constitution not to mention a whole lot of other things well back in those days uh such things of indecency that we see commonplace today were criminal libel was criminal uh, we don't stop to consider how decent things were libel of an individual was a common law crime and thus criminal in the american colonies and truth and good motives was no defense. And early after the adoption of our Constitution, some of these things and criminality of libel was changed by a judicial decision, statute, or Constitution. But nowhere was there any suggestion that the crime of libel be abolished. I'm reading, by the way, from a Supreme Court case in Illinois that had to do with libel. A man was passed, it was in 1950. He was passing out uh, literature on the streets of Chicago, uh, libeling, and I'm reading from the the flyer, he libeling, and this is a quote from the flyer, the Negro people. But he didn't say he was libeling them. But the things he was saying about it, and that was a criminal act, that's criminal libel at that time. These are part of our common law, and in many jurisdictions, that's not many. Yeah, quite a few, that's still true. Uh, 48 states in 1950, the District of Columbia, the territory of Alaska, Hawaii, and Puerto Rico at that time punished 
libels criminally directed at individuals. Almost every state had what we call criminal libel in our memories. And there are certain well-defined and narrowly limited classes of speech, the prevention and punishment of which have never been thought to raise any constitutional problem. These include lewd and obscene, like this uh, comment made about me being an effing lawyer. By the way, this comment was made, he intended, he said so last week, he intended to hide the comment. He, didn't, he said, I did not intend for you to see that. I'm sorry. Well, that's not the point. Sorry. He said it to a third party, so that makes it libel. There are certain well-defined and nearly limited classes of speech, prevention and punishment of which have never, oh, I've read that already. I'm reading from this uh, Supreme Court case of the Supreme Court of the state of Illinois. These include words, lewd and obscene, profane, libelous, insulting, or fighting words, those which by their very utterance inflict injury or tend to incite an immediate breach of the peace. It has been well observed that such utterances are no essential part of any exposition of ideas, like this one here, just silly dodoism, uh, just ugly, vicious talk, uh, fighting kinds of words made at a distance of a thousand miles or more from the fellow you're defaming and then trying to hide it from him, uh, cowardly even uh, in this case. But resort to epithets or personal abuse is not in any proper sense communication. Well, so that's why, it, of course, uh, such thing is criminal. I remember reading, I like to read common law cases, as you know, Roger, going back, going back to Anglo-Saxon days. And we have some of those cases in the manor courts. Uh, the manor courts were the first level trial courts in Anglo-Saxon England. And I read a case, I wish I've got it in my I've got quotes from it in the com my comparative law text. You can get it at commonlawyer.com because I go over this case. We're going to wait for somebody. Yeah, hold on, hold on. We're going to have to do this again. Where's that coming from, please? Whatever it is gone. Okay. No, hold it. No, it's not gone yet. Could somebody figure out where that's coming from and mute them, please? Some sound like somebody squeezing a duck or something, something, something Maybe a little a funky, funky something. stump. I think it got stopped. Go ahead. Okay. So, you know, anyway, and, and, and that's where we get so many people on here. And, you know, if you just want to sit on here and listen, go over to Eurofolk radio. It's streaming live over there rather than yeah. staying here and not respecting our rules and disru disrupting what we're doing. So one of those two, if you'll please make a choice. Okay, go ahead, Brent. Uh, thanks, Roger. Well, it was a case about a man and a woman. This was in Anglo-Saxon England in one of the farming villages. The Villeens. Correct. The Villeens. Sure, the serfs. The Villeens went to court. Now, a Villeen, we talked about this, Roger. <laughs> a Villeen, of course, did have rights. A Villeen was not a slave. No. And a Villeen could even go to law in the manor courts, even though the Villeen was attached to the land. You still do that today. Yeah, and the villain, these two, this man and this woman went to court because he called her a whore, just a low-down whore, and she called him, I'm trying to think of the name, I don't remember, she reciprocated, it was, a, it was just as bad, and the judge of the court, we've got 
the record of his comments. And he fined them both after a trial, I suppose by jury, because that's the way they used to do it. He fined them both, and then he excoriated them both in a very animated and colorful way. But his point was, we as creatures of our maker do not have the option to do that to each other. That's the point. And to do it directly to someone's face, maybe. Well, as a matter of fact, if you do that to somebody's face and no third party hears it, it's not libel or slander. That's between you and them. Right. I suppose that's permissible. Well, all right. But if you make it to a third party, that's where the problem comes in. Roger, were you going to say something? No, I was agreeing with you. I think that's interesting that you hmm. can say it to somebody's face, but if you say it to a third party, there's uh, uh, there's harm. Oh, yeah. it's a th- the, There has to be a third party that uh, hears it or overhears it in order for it to be liable. That's why things, of course, in newspapers or like here on the public platform, it just takes one person, one third party to hear it, and then it's actionable. And uh, that's what is egregious. Go ahead. I saw uh, late last night I was listening to something as I was kind of laying down, drifting in and out. It's worth mentioning today, and it's got along to do along these lines, at least in the legal thing. Uh, the latest SGT report, and that's, I'm sure you're not you're not familiar with that. It's a guy with a pretty big following uh, uh-huh. named Sean over there, and uh, been around a long time doing good work. Uh, uh, and he had uh, three people on, and one of them was an attorney out of Florida. I can't remember his name. But he's got a website up that helps people do pro se litigation and bring suits. And it's got everything, how to do everything on there. And I believe it's called how to win in court, how to win in court dot com or dot org or something. I, like I said, it was late last night and, and he was at the end, but it's over. Uh, it was on BitChute last night and it'd be over under the SGT report. Uh, 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 category his uh, whatever you call it where all his stuff is and um, we have a lot of people on here that continually talk about going to court and there's some folks that unfortunately have to or need to or involved in it before they found us you know uh, and uh, so anyway I wanted to throw that out there you kind of touched on it and I wanted to bring it up while it was on my mind and not forget it because I wanted to talk about it today now boy what is going on here I think it's a Wajitsi's doing weird stuff, okay? All right, so at least we're still talking and everybody's hearing, right? Yeah, wiped out the chat, too. Okay, yeah, something happened. Probably people coming back on. I didn't reboot. Did anybody else? We don't have too many people on here. I guess they'll be coming back on. Uh, Brent, is, is Brent with us, or did he get bumped off? No, he's off. Okay, well, he'll pop back in in a minute, I guess. How about that? looks like he popped back in right there. Yeah, Brent? down from 36 people to 10. Wow, I have no idea what happened there. Uh, you never know where the servers are, if there's electrical, whatever, some malfunction in the software. Or, Lord of mercy, this, this world's gotten way too technical, man. Uh, Brent, can you talk yet and communicate back yet? He's not back on yet. Okay, I thought I saw CC there. Um, well, you do, that's a Craig. Oh, we got more than one CC. All right. Uh, anyway, did anybody else see that uh, SGT report last night? I guess not. Negative. Okay. Well, it's and I wish I could remember the gentleman's name. Nice guy. Went to law school, and uh, uh, he's been doing this for a while. Evidently, pretty successfully. Hello. I know Are you're you back. Talking about Randy Kelton? No, no. But his name was mentioned a lot last night. 
Yeah, that. that's the guy I'm trying to hook I up. I know, with I know, I know. I recognized his name, and uh, uh, he was mentioned pretty prominently. His the setup was this older fellow that set the website up, the attorney, and there and two people that have used it very successfully and were a, extremely uh, uh, animated about it in a positive way, and uh, they carried most of the conversation. Um, and I was drifting kind of in and out, almost asleep, so I didn't really have close attention to it, but it was interestingly enough for me to try and stay tethered, and uh, then they gave that, I believe it's how to win in court at the end, but Randy Kelton, is that his name, Paul? Yeah, Randy Kelton. Okay, yeah, he was mentioned, I bet they mentioned his name a bunch of times, anyway, especially towards the end. So, hello, hello are you there? Brent, is that you back? Okay. He's not back yet. All right. Uh, but uh, for all of you that are involved or want to know about that, uh, there that looked like an extremely um, solid resource to me, the impression I got. Has anybody tried to bring that up and see if it's I think is how to win in court dot com or dot org or dot net or whatever. Uh, anyway, I'm sure it's in that episode and they talk about it and I'm sure the links are uh, involved there underneath the video. So for whatever that's worth, uh, that's uh, something I wanted to talk about today. Well, Jitsi kind of threw us a curve here today, two two days in a row. Usually it's a very stable platform, you know, as we all know that are here for a while. And uh, but occasionally they have these little hiccups, like anything else technical. I guess we still got communication though, right? We still going out over the server. I trust. Let me go check that stuff here. Somebody carry the ball for a minute. It should be um, how to win in court with or without a lawyer. Uh, they have a, a program on there that I actually have. It's called Jurisdictionary. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I've heard of that. A, uh, it's a study tool. And, uh, and there's there's everything child custody tactics yeah. simple legal forms he's got a bunch of stuff on there from what i remember them covering last night and i was conscious enough to catch on how to do this and what to do and all the instructions and uh, uh these guys were like i said extremely complimentary and evidently from what i gathered very successful in their application of this information so uh now we've got somebody uh uh, in, in fact, Paul, you may want to stick that on our website as a resource. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, very few. The other one that you may want to look put up there, uh, and maybe have a little something for these types of things. But this, the other one is georgegordon.org. Is uh, or George Gordon's Law Schools online too? Okay. Okay. So those are two fine resources that uh, I know George Gordon's is, and I was, I'm thinking this one is from what we heard last night. So anybody got anything they want to bring up? Maybe as we're trying to get back to, we were still on the server. We didn't get knocked off there. It's just a Jitsi problem. Yes, so, Roger. Yeah, there's somebody. Hello. This is Craig. Hey, Craig. I'm uh, I'm the guy who uh, sent you the eye drops. So I was wondering oh, hey, Craig. I'm, I've been using them. Thank you very much. I'm glad you came on and asked. I do use them regularly. I'm just about out of the pills, but still got a number of the drops left, and I was probably going to go ahead and order me some more here when I get somebody coming down in a few months. Hopefully, i got a guy that goes has to go back every six months because of some prescriptions that he uses. And, so you're not putting the C6 in your eyes? No, no, I'm doing all that. I'm doing all that shit. Okay. 
Um, I, you know, I want. Well, I'd like to think that I, that I would say yes. You know, but it, that's hard to be very subjective, and I hadn't been and gotten tested and all that stuff where I've got those kind of results to compare. But I'm throwing everything but the kitchen sink at it, and uh, that's uh, where we are. I'm not sure what that Skype was. Hold on. The the regimen's a little bit weird doing the drops 10 minutes apart twice a day, but uh, I had really good results. I used to wear glasses, and now I don't. I was legally blind without them. Um, so there was a big improvement for myself. Okay. Well, now hold on. Okay. Good. Well, I'm thank you for sending. I, you know, the problem is, is I can't read magnification stuff, Craig. So I didn't have any directions to read. Oh, you, well, so, I, I got, well, hold on. I got way too much going on. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Uh, thank you. Yes. Uh, okay. See you in a bit. Okay. Yes. Uh, we'll come okay god almighty thanks jitsy uh okay sorry craig anyway i've been using them at least once a day uh and and most of the time i remember to do it different times of the day now what am i supposed to do so um you should put them in and then 10 minutes later put them in again yeah and then do that uh another time later on in the day so you do that twice a day twice so you're putting them in actually four times okay a day but all right 10 minutes apart two all times right. okay and then take the pills i i guess um on one i think you're supposed to take up to four and another one is to actually it helps you sleep um huh. i don't have the direct directions in front of me it helps do something with your penile gland um, pineal gland okay that's the sleep that's a melatonin producer um well uh and i wish uh i could send you the instructions so you could read them maybe why I don't could, you type um, them out once you type could you just briefly type them out and send them to me all yeah. of us would be interested too um what i'll do is actually i'll print them up extra big and i'll send them to you okay well i guess that would be just if you could just paraphrase and give me an overview it's hard for me to read that kind of stuff because okay. i gotta blow it up so big you know and then well, i'll tell you basically i just did the drops mainly because i was taking another supplement and a couple of the like the naxi pills kind of made me feel shitty so i didn't take those so i just took the eye drops and again it's like twice a day 10 minutes apart okay right gotcha okay well i'll try and be adhere to that i'm i you know i got a whole bunch of stuff i here we are boys just dad gummit um i wish i knew what was going on here uh and i don't know what's happening with jitsi and we're, we're broadcasting and it appears we're live but there there's somebody else just came back there we're there we getting some folks coming back okay uh well, good luck roger all right craig if you'll do that communicate with me i've got one of your emails saved where we can communicate and i think about you often and i'm glad you took this opportunity to step forward and let me thank you again and now at least i'll use the drops properly I just yeah, hate putting stuff in my eyes, man. It's really hard for me. Hey, what's the name of that? It's what? Can Can See. Can Can See. C A N Dash C. Thank you. Yeah. So is that? Hey, Daniel, did you finally get up? Yeah, I had to go drive a, a numbskull to the 
to the airport and I started in on trying to tell him how I, what, what I went through yesterday. And he's like, I just want to be me. I don't want to be changed. And I went, oh, God, all right, whatever. <laughs> he just right. moved in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're going to, like I said, you'll be surprised as you're out there trying to, to prospect people on this. You'll just be surprised. There's just a there, there's a, a certain percentage of people that this strikes, and others are just like this guy right here, you know. And yeah. uh, uh, you'll you'll learn. I've been I've been doing it a long time. That's why I keep I keep telling you guys for an hour to drive him to the airport. All right. Okay, yeah. What are we going to talk about? Oh, yeah. Let's get drunk tonight. You know, or whatever. You yeah. Know? Right. Hey, Roger. All right. There's somebody. Is that Mike Mika? Yeah, it's Mark. Mark. Um, I'm sorry. We are in the breakout room again. I just, I got out and now I'm back in the breakout room. There has to be a way to control that because I think. Uh, what What is a breakout room? It's, um, Jitsi has like a main room where you're having a conversation and people can go into a breakout room where they're having a private little meeting kind of thing. They do? Yeah. There's on Jitsi, there's an option to go into a breakout room, which is a different, like another room for people to go in and talk. Holy smokes, this is news to me. Well, what should we all do? Back out of where we are and try and get in the main room? Is that where everybody wait, else is? Wait a minute. Here, here. let me let me check. Let me figure it out. Um, okay, if you hover over the menu on the bottom of your screen, uh, you can. There's a there's a button that looks like two people in it, and that's participants. And then that'll bring up a participant list on the right side of your screen. That, yeah, and then there's one in the middle, and that just shows who's talking. See? Yeah. Well, there's the participant. When you go into the two people at the bottom of the list, it'll tell you where you are, and if you can leave the breakout room. Yeah, it, it appears that there are 13 people in breakout room one, and that's can the somebody one that's go over there and tell them to come over here? Um, or we can all leave the breakout room and go back to the main room as soon right. as you go back to the main room. All right, all right. Should, well, should I back out of this and come back in, and I'll be back well, in the main room? Does anybody know? Well, if, if you click on the two people on the bottom, one of your options will be leave breakout room. And if you leave it, you'll go back to the main, and then everybody else will follow you. Okay, hold on a second. Okay. All right. I got. I went down. She's so friggin' mighty. I went down and clicked this, and to where it just shows the person talking. Okay, and the talk person talking in the middle ain't me. It's PG. Is that the okay. other room? No, no, that's me. There should be a participant list on the right side of your screen. There is. I see. But Paul, I got bad eyesight. Okay, and this is a very oh. small screen. Okay. So oh, your tile says breakout room number one. No one else's tile has that appear in their tile. Really? Yeah. On my screen, anyway. Yeah. Weird. Really weird. Okay. I tell you what. I'm. I am going to back out and come back in. Okay. Okay. Let's see Good what that you. does. She's freaking mighty. Okay, and so you can. Okay, is there somebody here? Hello, are you guys here? Can anybody hear me? Yeah. Uh, is this the other room? There's two rooms going on. Yep. G 
where Jeff is, is this is a room I was in a minute ago with you? Jeff. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now you're back in the main room. Holy smoke and crap. This has never happened. Okay. <laughs> Let me, Have we found Brent? Let me see what room he's in. Jeez, and, and I'll go Mike. get him. Um, There's more than two breakout rooms, looks like. Hey, Roger, you're getting more popular. They're, they're going to start wrestling with you more. Okay, there's Gary. Room number two. Can somebody go over there or do something? Or Does anybody understand what the hell's going on here? <laughs> yes, I, let, me, uh, let me get in there and talk to Brent and get him back over. I didn't even know you could do two rooms. Happy Friday, Roger. Roger, someone's um, putting people in breakout rooms. I'm not sure. I think that's what it seems like, but we need to figure out how to not make that available on Jitsi when you guys are on. Well, you you guys, somebody go in there, whoever's the technical person figuring this out and figure out what we're, if you can, what's going on here, because I'm not going to be able to do it. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now. Okay, looks like there's a whole bunch of people coming back on all of a sudden. Yeah, including you, Roger. Well, but, well, we, I've been on the whole time. It's Roger, you. we couldn't talk to you. Well, you. No, there's something going on, Brent. Technical, they've split us up into two rooms. Yeah. And you, a bunch of you were over off in one room, and we just were in another room. And I well, never even knew they had two rooms. Oh, I didn't either. Oh, I'm glad you can talk to us. You couldn't talk to us a while ago. No. Well, whoever did whatever they did, thank you. Everybody's in the main room now. Yeah. Okay. Did you well, do that? Hold on. Daniel, did you manipulate that? I don't know if I did because it doesn't tell you what you're doing, but I went in there <laughs> and, and no one was in there. Am I, maybe by me going in there, put everybody back. I don't know, man. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. It's resolved. It's never happened before. Let's hope and pray it doesn't ever happen again, okay? Uh, you see, now, hold on. And I don't think today this is the problem that caused this. But you see, we've got a limit on here on how many people can get on this board. And it's always, there's been just this little fledgling bunch, and we get as many, you know, it's up to something like 75 or 100, okay? I think 100. And so uh, it hadn't been a problem because we hadn't had that many people. But since this Sarah Westall interview, we've had approaching that many people, okay? Uh And so if people want to be so close to the information or the broadcast that they want to join us here on Jitsi, I guess, so they can read the chats that we refer to and stuff that they can't if they're just listening on the Eurofolk platform. But if you just want to listen... You know, please go try and try the Eurofolk platform. There's an alternate chat there that Murr set up. Roger, I don't promote it because I just forget about it. Okay, it's not any slight to anything, but usually the people, if if you could put whatever you post in both chats, that would take care of that little angle of the problem. But anyway, so those are the those are the growth pains we're dealing with, Brent. Well, that's good then. Could then all these people that disappeared with you 
Oh, I couldn't see it. You could hear me talking the whole no, time. No, no, couldn't hear you at all. Oh, okay. Well, that helps me a little bit. We finished up the discussion on slander and libel, pretty much. But I again, wanted to bring something up on the on the yeah. Kathy Gifford severed head and the other things and the way that things have progressed in such a relatively short time from that time you were referring to in the late fifties, even early mid sixties, oh. to the point now where they get on and talk about killing him openly on American media when he's a sitting president, for God's sakes. Yeah, and nobody ever says boo. No, there's a limit here, and we're not observing limits. I agree, yeah. But um, if somebody said that, for example, well, somebody did say that about old DJ, and if somebody would have tried to kill DJ, I would imagine that um, the powers that be would go after the people that expressed those things and say, did you have anything to do this? That's one good reason why you shouldn't say those things publicly for your own safety. That's the other side of it. You don't know. Somebody else might hear you say that. Go do it, and then they blame you. See, let's, let's not be stupid here. I'm giving good advice, good advice. Um, but this example that we have here, and this was about at 9.50, last, that would be the 27th, I believe, last Friday of May. I've got the chat here. Um, the quote was about me. Paul said he is a, whoever Paul is, he is a very common lawyer, meaning he is exactly like every other effing lawyer. Now I ran that through the law. That's, that's actionable. It meets all the elements. It was communicated to a third party. He intended to hide it from me and admitted it on uh, last week's program. Uh, but he didn't even, but he didn't hide it from me. So that's, uh, what really happened, but yeah, these things are actionable. Um, just to bring it out as an example, you can see it there. And that's an example of what you should not do. What I should not, we shouldn't say these kind of things publicly, just vicious words. As the court case said of the Supreme court of Illinois with no literary value at all, just uh, fighting words. That's what these are, yeah. fighting words, and that's always actionable. Not only fighting words, but words that demean me in my calling, my profession. That means I don't have to prove damages. All I have to prove in a case like this, in a court, in a libel court, is that it's said, it's, and I've got it in print, it's right here, that's all I have to do. And you don't have to prove any damages, which can be very difficult. How can you prove monetary damages that your reputation is damaged? That'd be almost, and it is almost impossible to do in court. But the nice thing again, to repeat one more time, the nice thing about libel and slander for the person that's libel or slandered, uh, if it is demeaning in your profession, the libel, or if, if the libel accuses you of having a loathsome social disease, that means for you that uh, don't want to go look it up, that means a venereal disease, you don't have to prove damages, which is an almost impossible barrier to overcome, and that's why most libel and slander suits don't go to court, although I've done it before. Um, you know, there's a, a famous lawyer who was in the news back when uh, – D.J. Trump was elected to the presidency the second time. He was elected twice, you know. Yes, I do. And there was a famous lawyer 
from down around down in the southern states. I don't remember his name, but he was in the news all the time and very famous. And Lynn Lynn Wood. Yeah. No, it's not around down in the Robert states. Robert. Okay, name, all right. Now hold, hold on. Very famous and Lynn, Lynn Wood. Somebody's got a radio on oh, in the background, yeah, please. Robert. Yeah. Chase, almighty. Pretty nice fellow. Let me tell you what happened in that case. He made a fortune, by the way, millions of dollars. Are we talking about Lynn Wood? Let's get that straight. We I gotta, think that was his name, but he was from, I believe, Samford Law School, which is an arts-conservative law school. It's that, that's Lynn Wood, and he, yeah. for those who don't know, Linwood is a very successful slander and libel attorney out yeah. of Atlanta. Yeah. And does anybody remember the case where he made his name? Uh, go ahead, Roger. The uh, the uh, case of the the 1996 Atlanta Olympic bomber, uh, Richard right. Jewell. Okay. Yeah. He had Richard Jewell's case. That's where he got his name. And he's gone on and had a lot of other high profile cases and stuff. But what really happened to him is he got struck like Paul Saul that turned to Paul. Uh, Lynn got struck by a bolt from the Lord and has gone off on this very, very Christian, uh, 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 some might say to the extreme path. Okay. But uh, that's Lynn Wood. Now, there's another one, though, that's come out of Chattanooga. That's, he's kind of a, he's a younger guy, and his name is Robert Barnes. Are you, have you become exposed to him? Um, no. You haven't? Um, I'll send you. He does with another attorney out of Canada several times a week does videos and they discuss all these important cases and different concepts and whatever he's a sharp cookie okay Uh he's from chattanooga and i believe he went to princeton or yale one of those law schools because he was up there with a lot of these toady liberals that are high profile now knows probably was yale or harvard because princeton doesn't have a law okay well whatever one of them uh, one of the ivy leaguers but he's doing a lot of defense for alex jones he's doing a lot of offensive suits against the uh the jab and and these elements and having some pretty good success uh with them anyway i'll drop you something when i see him on on something you can see who he is but he's uh, those are the two the southern ones that i think are the high prominent ones in our kind of circles anyway well, I'm talking about Lynn, and I'm glad you took time to describe him. Yes, that's the one. And Lynn, after that happened, and he then uh, had a come-to-Jesus meeting of some kind. I don't know what happened, but he got religion. Now, he was an alcoholic, for one thing. I can tell you he was an alcoholic because I've heard him yeah. allude to it. And when, here's what happened, and this is uh, apropos to what we were talking about. Once he became a Christian man and began to say so, then his daughter, his daughter abandoned him. Right lack of natural affection and then the law school that had honored him and that he had donated i don't know whether it was hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars hundreds of thousands at least and uh they had a meeting and uh the dean some some woman i don't know what her name was you can't believe how stupid people are and i use that word use that word in the technical sense uh, she's the dean of the law school right. where he had donated hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he and her knew each other. Yeah, oh, and they used to, him and his wife and him and her husband, they used to get together. And she said, oh, I'm so concerned about Lynn. He, he's gone off. He's on the edge of insanity. 
he's talking about Christianity and he's, he's extreme and, and on and on she went. And when she got all done talking to the other faculty members and the student body that was on the, the conference call with her, somebody said, uh, oh, yes, uh, Dean, I wanted to say something. And all of a sudden there was dead silence. And she didn't know Lynn Wood was on the call. That's right. And he told her, by the way, I've recorded everything you've said here. <laughs> I want you to know that I've got it all. And, of course, he was saying to her, how stupid, how, you're a lawyer, how stupid can yeah, you be? Yeah, and she was a former yeah. state official, and uh, there was another thing. Attorney about the, General of the yeah, state. Uh, something Robert. like that, one of the big yeah, high officials. Yeah. Now, here's the deal. The, he had donated I think it was over a million dollars, and they were going to name a new room, uh, some sort of a, a, yeah, a room yeah. after him. And with all of this stuff, with him coming out after all of the election and stuff, and they're trying to marginalize him and debar him, and they were going to try and remove his name from the room. And that was idea was being floated, and that that's what it. that account, that's what that phone call was about yeah, to all the doing. all the law students in San for law school and he wasn't invited to attend and somebody slipped him the yeah. the access codes and he was yeah. listening and he confronted her that's that's what the what brent's describing if you didn't yeah. hear it it was a it was a hell of a recording oh i yeah i i don't know if it's still up but i listened to the whole thing and i was laughing because i again these are supposed to be lawyers and i'm telling you they aren't I don't care how many degrees they've got. I don't care what big position this old gal had in the state. She wasn't fit to be in office. And I'm, she has shoved herself into the public eye as a uh, public office holder. So this isn't actionable for me to say she's not, she's shown herself unfit to be in office and unfit for the job as a lawyer. She should be disbarred. If she can't do any better than that, and here she is, the dean of a blasted, supposedly at one time conservative law school, not anymore. Setting a, setting an example for all the uh, law students. Oh yeah, she's supposed to be showing them how to be lawyers. This is what happens. This is what happens when you put a gal in a position like that. Well, anyway, that gives good examples of what slander and libel is. And what you're doing in slander and libel, for instance, for instance, in this case, and in his case, uh, they've, they've turned on him. Why did they turn on him? Because he said, I'm a Christian man now. I'm not the guy I used to be. So what do they do? His friends turn on him. That's normal, friends. Jesus Christ promised it that that will happen. Promises it. And if you're not comfortable with that, you won't get through it. Because they hate you, said Jesus Christ. Why? And then he tells us why. Because they hate me. Oh, I'm sure this old gal would say, I love Jesus. She'll go to church and raise her hands and all that baloney. But come right down to it. She hates him. Depart from me, said Jesus Christ. Ye who never knew me. And those that are Christian folk have a proclivity, a propensity toward one another. By nature. Why? Because we all have something in common. What is it? We have been cleansed. The blood of Jesus Christ, as the Bible puts it, has cleansed us from all of our sin. We have that in common. That's our commonness. Our commonness is not that we talk in tongues. Our commonness is not that we all believe in miracles. Our commonness is, says John, 
the foreman of the 12-man jury that Jesus Christ impaneled. Our commonness is that the blood of Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the God of Israel, has cleansed us of every sin, past, present, and future. What does that leave you to do? To save yourself, to bring yourself into a right relationship with your maker. It doesn't leave you nothing to do. And if you try to do something to do that, you're just going to tick him off. He's done it all. And all he wants you to do is relax. Now that your future is utterly secured, lead pipe cinch. Relax. That's what the Christian life is. Entering into the rest of God. And yes, your family will abandon you or could or will. Many will. Your friends. They'll make fun of you. Why? Because now you've admitted you're a sinner and you make them feel uncomfortable. Well, right? Hello? That's oh, you can hear me. Yeah, did you get back with us? Were you marginalized in this little thing? I'm sorry, Brent. What, can we help you? Yes, it's Murr. I'm fine. Murr! Hey, I got a new computer. I'm trying to work out the microphone. and. Uh, anyway, well, you I, made it. You made it. Yeah, I probably... I hope I wasn't the one behind messing up Jitsi. I don't think so, but I was okay. Yeah, well, that's okay. We'll blame it on you anyway. All right. I, I can take it. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you know, we we know it's all uh, satanic stuff in our faces, but what's it look like on the ground level? Well, here's what it is. Kathy Griffin is Anderson Cooper's transgendered brother. No yes. kidding. Nope, true, true fact. <laughs> Gloria Bild- Vanderbilt's son. Okay, now this. Kathy, ho, 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 Murr, this is a load for me. Kathy Griffin is a transed up Vanderbilt. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Anderson Cooper's brother. You know how All they right. do the uh, dropping of the ball on uh, New Year's Eve? Yeah. And she, she, quote unquote, would make jokes about him wanting to. Nah, 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 mouth members of whoever, whatever. Okay, whatever. But now here with Lynn Wood, okay, he's a few years now into being a Christian, accepting Jesus Christ, and he was contacted by Timothy Charles Holmseth, who is telling the truth, and they've been trying to hound him, and, and some people don't want to believe him, but it's the truth, and along with Field McConnell, who they indicted and took to Florida, and his wife passed away up here, and then They let him go, but he still has all these restrictions. And he's a brilliant pilot, you know, fighter pilot, besides commercial pilot later. But he's just brilliant, okay? I mean, they asked him to come to uh, Malaysia when the MH370 went down, and he knew what happened. He said, it's going to happen again, and he told them exactly when, and it did. Okay, MH17, which was, never mind that whole story. But anyway, it's all true, and... He's done a bunch of stuff, like uh, Hildebeest was claiming she won in 2016, right? And there at uh, Jacob Javits Center in New York, she had fireworks scheduled. Well, apparently it was he that called the fire marshal to see if they'd gotten a permit, and they hadn't. They were just going to do it. And that's why they were all pulling, pulling their hair out that night, Podesta and, and her throwing <laughs> booze bottles around and whatever. Because they didn't get to set off their fireworks. Because if they set off fireworks, well, it's a done deal. She won, right? As long as she got those fireworks, but she couldn't set them off. 
So I don't know why that stopped them. They lie about everything else. Well, yeah, we can tell you. We can tell your mute's been stuck for a couple of days, Mur. Well, I'm, I just got this computer day before yesterday. Oh, okay, and, so it's uh, a new computer. Yep, and I got Brave browser installed, and because the the thing right. from Microsoft wasn't working right. Yeah, well, that's not unusual. Imagine that. Yeah, I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, but we'll meet you and get your updates. <laughs> Bend over. Here comes the update. Yeah, right. As far as Phil McConnell's concerned, I, um, I was uh, very much in touch with Timothy Holmseth. Uh-huh. And I said I was trying to get all these guys that have gravitas on the internet to come together and, and put to, put a, a conference on, right? And so Timothy was kind enough to answer my um, inquiry, and he got us set up with Field. The Field was going to give us every. He said, I'll give you a regular slot. You can come on my radio show and just do your show. Timothy didn't want to, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to be that well-known yet. Right. For, uh, probably yeah, so well, you see, you see what happened to Field, right? Well, I'm gonna, I want to speak about Field, okay? He talked a lot of Christianese, but he drank hard whiskey all day long while he was doing it, and he actually showed it on the show. And what problem he is, extremely brilliant, but the problem is, he, he, he um, was challenging them. I'm going to, you know, you're not going to touch me. I'm going to. And when you talk like that, you're inviting trouble. And I think he invited a little bit too much trouble. There's also uh, Timothy got involved with Chris Hallett and his sidekick. who thought he knew all the law and he was just a same thing, a drinker and, and, a, and a bragger. Well, God but uses everyone. He got himself in a lot of trouble with bad advice. Okay, Daniel, isn't it nice now that you've stumbled across us over here, our little side of the whatever it is, and it just you know you can sit at your house, you can type out one sentence, send it to one guy, and you don't have to do any of that braggadocious stuff, and they just sit there and stand mute. Now, isn't that a lot easier? This is yeah, the only nice. answer that I know at all, period, flat. I'm done. I'm done. I, by the way, most rabbit holes I went down there, there was no damn rabbit in it. <laughs> well, listen, there's no coordinating all this, okay? The devil's in the details. Yep, that's right. But you've got to keep trying, and we will be persecuted. We will be martyred. Well, once People again, hate us. They hated it's him. It's funny that we're talking about this topic uh, with, um, you know, Brent, but... You have to be civil, and you got to be kind to people, no matter who they are, what they're doing. You got to be civil because it has repercussions. And 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 um, um, good old Field, and I, I watched him a lot. You know, he uh, he would get himself to a point where he was letting his rage fly, and I and he was challenging this lawyer down in um, Florida. And she finally had enough of it, and they came up and got him and brought him down to Florida. He's never been in Florida in his life. So yeah, I know. this is all about conduct, of our own conduct. And yes, Roger, it's so nice. I don't need to worry about my conduct. I'm just sending an affidavit, straightening it out. And, but, but when you go into the offices of these people and you want to deal with them, you got to be kind. No one's going to help oh, you yeah. out if you're treating them like crap. If you're, oh. you know... I come in there and I just bring all this love. I can make it lovey-dovey as can be. And they're just like trying to help me as much as they can. Yeah, know? yeah. It's just like I said, at the end of your IRS notice, you put hugs and kisses. 
See you later. Honey nut vinegar. That's exactly correct. Mama taught yep, me that. Yeah, the golden rule. Now, yep. Field wasn't like that all the time, though, and in person. Okay, he was very nice. But he also got, people got to him in that way, in some respects. But this lawyer in Florida is into child, child trafficking. And that's what he was blowing the whistle on. They took down his, his uh, everything, you know. Some people saved us out of the website elsewhere, but they took all his shows, of course, his chat, his chat room was great because there was all these people from all over the place, you know, that knew yeah. all the things. And all this stuff, every one of his shows went to Trump, okay? So they were working on this. This is a fact. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. But like I said, again, he challenged us, come and get me. You know what? I learned, I was in business once and I said, come, come uh, sue me. You know what they did? They sued you. Imagine that. Subliminal message. And guess what, man? And, and that's called lawfare. And that's what they're pulling on all these guys. And right. uh, Brent, I want to add, Brent, did you hear about the Sus- Sussman uh, acquittal this week? No, uh, Enlighten me, Roger. Now, I'm surprised you didn't hear about this. It raised a bunch of stink in the middle of the week. You know who Sus is? It Sussman? Well, I, yes. tell me, Roger. Okay, Sussman is a big Democratic operative with uh, Co and Pearl or whatever that big Democratic law firm is that the Democrats hold. Or, or per, Perkins Co or Coey, so whatever. If you uh-huh. and uh-huh. so turns out this came out it turns out perkins co has an office a working space for for the fbi inside their law firm's offices a secure room a secure room and he was the guy that's manned it as an election he's an election attorney for a couple of years he's been the guy inside they're manning for the fbi anyway he came this all came out of the durham investigation i believe and they uh-huh. had him on trial in dc which evidently durham had the choice on the venue and if he chose dc to try this guy then that's pretty indicative of where durham's coming from to me uh uh-huh. anyway uh the uh the judge cooper uh, an obama appointee uh and uh, sussman's daughter are on the same softball team obviously they're synagogue buddies and uh with all of this proof that he had uh, uh been involved in a lot and with the, whatever the charges were with the fbi and it, that detail i just don't have uh it, it, and uh anyway he was acquitted this week uh-huh. Roger. So, big surprise yes paul they never wanted Sussman in the first place. All they needed was uh, was a courtroom where uh, facts and evidence could be brought out and unearthing names like Hillary Clinton and James Comey and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. The intel gathering that they got as a result of that, um, there's a lot more interesting things going to be coming down. Okay, well, we'll see. Anyway, it was a, a public uh, acquittal of somebody that was – I'm virtually publicly guilty. Uh, and it just, uh, you know, another example of what goes on up there in that cesspool. Yeah, but if they would have found him guilty, then the potential would have existed that the records for the case be sealed and then any of the other evidence they been, brought out could have been. Not, 
shouldn't have been see the light of day well it shouldn't have been but it could have been i guess and you know hypothetical stuff we don't know anyway he was hopefully something good come out of it paul all right but he was publicly acquitted on something that he should have publicly been found guilty on was the impression i got and i just don't have all the details i don't stay on top all this stuff i just hear people talking about it yeah he he just wasn't a big enough fish Um, after a bigger fish you don't get it Okay, well, he's a pretty big fish, this Sussman character. Um, Brent, you mentioned, uh, we were talking about Field O'Connell here a minute ago, earlier in the show, and I remember this because you've talked about this guy before and impressed me. And uh, this was chief, he wasn't a chief justice, he was just a justice of the Supreme Court, right, Fields? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, and where he got his start in that whole story, would you tell the audience, this guy had an impressive life here. This is a very interesting story, I thought. Yeah, and you can read his uh, his, uh, his narrative of what happened to him throughout his life and also uh, with affidavits. He includes all of his affidavits, um, all the adventures he had. But when the gold rush began in California. He was a 32-year-old lawyer in, I believe, New York City. His brother was Cyrus. His first name was Cyrus. And his brother was the man behind the first Atlantic cable. Okay, Cyrus Field. Yeah, okay. Cyrus Field, uh uh-huh. Right, right. And uh, his sister and her husband were Christian missionaries in Asia Minor back in the early... 1800s, and he'd spent his early teenage years in Asia Minor with his sister. Uh, she was, uh, they were puritanical, congregationalist kind of a family, very Christian. Well, he became a lawyer somehow. I think they were from Connecticut. They were old, from old Puritan stock, but he ended up a lawyer and in New York. Of course, his brother was a lawyer there. That's what it was. So he went there and he ended up reading law and became a lawyer. Another gold rush broke out. I believe he was 32 years old and he bought a ticket on a ship and went around the South American horn, landed in San Francisco, Frisco, took a packet up the Sacramento river and then turned and went North, uh, a ways on that other tributary river up there. And he stopped at a, place called today is oh. called uh, yuba city marysville yuba city jeff yuba city jeff Valley stick Point. stick your mute on please yeah just doing a little practice yeah, in there yuba in the background city. you can't get that guitar out of that boy's hands go ahead and when he got there it wasn't called marysville at the time and not too many days later they named it marysville but the reason it wasn't called marysville yet was because it don't, the town was only about uh, six days old. And, uh, there was one woman in town and she was a French whore. She was a hooking it. And, uh, they all kind of liked her. So they named the town after her. Her name was Mary. And so they named it Marysville. Of course, it's still there. It's not a giant city now, but it's a good size one. Well, he decided when he got there, he said, well, I'm a lawyer. There was nothing there but a lot of tents, a few clapboard buildings, but uh, they were trying to form some kind of a government, and they 
course, had been Spanish, and so there were, the Spanish offices were still there. And he decided he would run for Alcadee. They were having an election in just a few days, and the guy that ran against him was from Galesburg, Illinois. And uh, this fellow that ran against him for this uh, Spanish office, Alcadee. Oh, by the way, if you remember the old Zorro television series and sure. stuff like that, there was an Alcadee in there. Remember, there was a sergeant who kept saying commandant, yeah, and uh, the fat man who played the sergeant. Sergeant but, Garcia. Yeah, Garcia. <laughs> I believe that the commandant was the Alcadee, if I remember right. He was the Alcadee. And every little town and village I've, in the Spanish. Go ahead. I've never heard that word before. Oh, and I'm probably not pronouncing it right, Roger, so you might be able to look it up and figure out what it is. But it's kind of comparable to the justice of the peace, only with a lot more power. In other words, there were no juries, of course, in the Spanish system, and the Alcadee, if I'm pronouncing it right, had the, has, still still does in the law of the city tradition, called different things in different countries. Um, the It's an executive position. He could do about anything that needed to be done that he thought ought to be done, that kind of a guy, but he was the judge, too. And he ran for that position. Of course, the Anglos were coming in there so fast, there were 100,000 Within a very short period of time, there were 100,000 miners in California, and there were 10,000 federal troops in uh, the Presidio down in San Francisco after the Americans had got some troops there, and they didn't know what to do, and Congress was, they were beside themselves. They knew they couldn't, and these miners were armed to the teeth, and they knew if there was trouble, there was nothing they could do about it because they only had 10,000 federal troops. So what happened? Well, Congress panicked. That's the way politicians do, because they want control. And they tried to pass legislation that would do something about it. But no matter what legislation they passed, there were still uh, over 100,000 heavily armed miners and 10,000 federal troops. It didn't change anything. Well, <laughs> so locally, men ran for office. He ran for this Alcadee. And uh, he ran against this fellow from Galesburg, Illinois, and he ran on the basis that the man from Galesburg was a newcomer. Because he, he came two days after, two days after uh, Justice Field. Well, that, you know, of course, people all thought that was funny. They had one woman in town. They named the town after her. And, and uh, then they elected him al -Kadi. Well, that's how he got started in politics. That was his first office. And the first case he had to come before him was the case of a man that had stolen gold dust from another fellow. And so he listened to the evidence. No jury. They were still following the Spanish rule, which was the law of the city. He heard the case, and it was clear that the man had stolen the gold dust. And so he sentenced him to X number of days in prison. But he said, uh, we didn't have a prison. We didn't have a building. Didn't have a jail. Uh, so he said I had to make a decision. I could have him chained to a tree. Uh, we could have done that. There was no guidance in the law. There was no law in place. He said I could have him flogged and turn him loose. So not having any guidance, nothing written, uh, he went back to the simple standard of the Bible, and he, had, he ordered the man to be flogged and turned loose. No jail, because there are no jails in the Bible. And California is a good example 
of how our common law happens without any government. Because in those days, and he writes extensively about this, and to read his accounts of early California and how our courts develop, how the courts developed there and how the government developed and how men settled their differences is a study in human nature of, with no equal. You can also read uh, uh, Dean Pound, Dean Pound, who wrote about the justice along the in the Ohio Valley in the early days when there was no government. Now, that was Ezra Pound's daddy, right, Roscoe Pound? No, Roscoe and Ezra, as far as I know, aren't related. But oh, okay. If I'm wrong about that, correct me. But Roscoe Pound was born on the Kansas frontier and uh, became dean of Harvard Law School. Oh, hold but, on a second, Brent. Let's see. Somebody's got their mic open with that irritating little high-pitched noise. Could you please close your mic? Thank you. Go ahead, Brent. Well, uh, you know, left off. He was Alcadi. He had this fellow flogged and turned loose. Oh, well, I'll, I'll keep talking. Obviously, it's somebody who wants to be irritating or isn't listening. One of the two or both. At any rate, he. If somebody sees with, where that noise has come from. Would you mute that? This person, please. Whoever the monitor hall monitor is, go ahead, Brent. I think that, ran, I think he, that happened. He ran for a second term and got defeated, so he went to practice in law. And his first client was um, Sutter, Colonel Sutter. Colonel Sutter was a Swiss immigrant who had been in California before the American War with Mexico and. He had been in California when the Spanish were in control, and he had been uh, given, the Spanish government had given him thousands upon thousands upon thousands of acres of land uh, east and north of, or east and uh, north of uh, what is not today, uh, no, south of Auburn, which is today on Interstate 80, south. And, I mean, he had jurisdiction over thousands upon thousands of American Indian tribes and the American Indian tribes. He wanted them to work on his ranch and he invited them there. And I read the account once of a man who saw this happen and wrote down what he saw. But Colonel Sutter had all these red men working for him, doing all sorts of things. And he fed them twice a day and he had long troughs. He came out, he had his men come out with buckets of some kind of a mash or a meal and dump it in these troughs. And when they rang the bell, these Indians would come running and they would get down on their hands and knees and eat this stuff up like hogs. Holy smokes. And uh, people criticized Colonel Sutter for treating them that way. But Colonel Sutter did not treat them that way. These people were starving, barely surviving on slugs and bugs and roots. And he fed them well, and they liked to eat that way, and so that's the way he fed them. But there's more to learn from that than that just that, oh, Colonel Sutter didn't treat them right. No, he treated them very well. He just fed them the way they wanted to eat, and he fed them all they could eat. And it's a study on, again, human nature. What does a man become left to himself? He becomes an animal. That's what he becomes. He acts like an animal. And that's where we are in America today. How interesting. How interesting. 
You know, the, I read a, an account. Red men lived like they lived in the woods. That's why they called them savages. A, a savage is a Latin word that means woods. And they lived in the woods, and they lived pretty rough, as you can imagine. And I read an account one time. This I was in a library doing some research in a university. And I saw this book on the shelf. I pulled it down. I don't remember what got my attention. I sat down and just I ended up reading the whole thing pretty quick. It was about a man who was from Chicago, Illinois, a businessman, had a lot of money. Back uh, oh, about 130, back in the late 1800s, 1880s, 90s, long in there. And he was out west in uh, Arizona Territory because he wanted to see it. And uh, he saw a man that had a little eight-year-old boy, a little Indian boy, an Apache boy with him. And this Apache boy, he acted like he was his son, but he would do everything he asked him to do, and he wasn't dressed up that well. And he said, uh, is it, this isn't your son because the other man was a white man. He said, no. He said, this is my slave. And he said, your slave? He said, yeah, I bought him. He's mine. He said, what do you take for him? He told him what he'd take for him, and this wealthy man from Chicago bought the boy from him. And then he took the boy when he left and took him back to Chicago, got back up on the train up in Kansas, where if he could find the railhead, and went back to Chicago. And he took the boy and cleaned him up and deloused him and put nice clothes on him and gave him a nanny to teach him his numbers and his letters. And then he sent him to a private school when he was little. And then he sent him to university and then he did well and sent him to medical school and he became a medical doctor. Wow. And this book, this book is a, this, this medical doctor who was born an Apache Indian. This is his story and he's writing the story and he says, after I got grown and I started my medical practice and I was doing okay, I had a little money, it struck me that I didn't even know who my mother, real mother and father were, which is normal. Again, natural affection, see? It's important. It's part of what holds things together, and we enjoy it very much. Um, so he got on the train, and he went back to what was now the Arizona territory and i think it may have been after arizona was a state that had been after 1912 he said he went looking for his parents and he went to different little indian villages and these indians these apaches lived in these wikiups and they they were they lived filth and filth they'd dig a hole in the ground and i've known men that that grew up grew up on, on that reservation and they told me that, that back in the 20s and 30s and 40s they indians had dig a hole in the ground. They'd live in it till it got so uninhabitable they couldn't stand it anymore, and then they go dig another hole in the ground out in the desert and put a roof over it, and that's the way they live. And uh, he said he saw this naked, old, worn-out Indian, Apache Indian woman, squatted naked over a fire, trying to start a fire with some cattle manure with a filthy pot, and she was going to try to boil something in water or something. And he said she was just obvious, her hair, she was filled with lice. And he looked at her and he said, can that even be human? Can it even be? This is him telling the story. Can that even be human? And so he got to asking around more in the village and he, he discovered that that woman that he thought wasn't human was his mother. Oh. And this is him telling the story. What a story this guy was telling 
you know, born a little patchy boy, taken into slavery, sold to a rich man, educated as a medical doctor, comes back, finds his his own mother, and he thought it she was nothing more than an animal. Well, uh, the point of the story is of his story, and the point of other stories I've read that show the same thing: that men without Christ will become cannibals. They will become filthy. They will become unacceptable to God or man. And you can see it. I read history. You can see it throughout history. I watched a film one time. A fellow was, this was the president, I remember. His name was George W. Sweeting, S-W-E-E-T-I-N-G. And he, for the longest time, was the president of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. You know, Moody Bible Institute's a, it's a college up in Chicago used to be called Moody Bible Institute, named after Dwight L. Moody back uh, over 100 years ago. He was down in Central America, and he was in this village of the Incas or the Mayans, I forget which it was, and these Indian women were around this great big vat out in the jungle, and they were half naked, and uh, they might have had some leaves on their around their torso, but nothing on their top. And they had these big paddles and this great big vat, and they were standing around this vat, stirring it. it looked like it had a hundred gallon in it. I've just from my perception, and they were talking and laughing and stirring. And every once in a while, they'd gather up a big wad of saliva and they'd spit in it and laugh and keep stirring. And they were all spitting and talking and laughing and spitting and talking and laughing. And uh, Jordan Sweeting's there with them. And he's got his cameraman apparently there. And this was made back in the 50s or maybe early 60s. And uh, he said, this vat is filled with the blood of hogs, pigs. And these women are spitting in it. To them, it's like women used to have when I was growing up as a kid. My grandma and them get together and they'd have a, every week they'd have a quilting bee. They'd sit around the big quilt that was on a rack up in the upper room of the old farmhouse where she was, and they'd, they'd uh, visit and quilt. Well, these women were around this vat of pig's blood spitting in it and visiting. And then they'd take all that, that mixture of their saliva and the pig's blood, and they ferment it, let it ferment, and that was their favorite drink. That was, to them, like drinking sake over in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the point of the, the story was, and George Sweden was making this point too, he said, these people here that are doing this uh, were a great civilization at one time, a great sophistication. So, mathematical sophistication belong beyond anything most of us would even understand. They uh, had reached a high level of city life. But he said, now they live in the jungle and they drink their own fermented saliva, fermented with pig's blood. And he was very kind to them. He was just making the point, that's what people degenerate to without Jesus Christ. He is absolutely correct. I can read history. People don't want to talk about it much. You read history, you can see it. My ancestors, Roger, and yours used to slaughter their enemies, pile their bodies up, put a giant iron kettle on top of it, take a few of the bodies, throw them in the pot, and use the rest of the bodies to cook their supper. That's uh, they were interested only in deep drinking, high-handed gaming, and any other debauchery they could do. That's what mankind is without the God of the Bible. 
and the Messiah of the God of the Bible, Jesus Christ, they will all, even if they try to keep up appearances, they will turn into cannibals. They will eat each other given enough time. That's what will happen. And they will become filthy and rotten and dirty. Well, Roger, that's uh, the state of man. Now, what's the difference? What's happening to us here in America? I'll tell you what's happened. Christianity had a hold on this country. The Bible. The Bible had a hold on this country at one time. It's not something we did by legislation, although in some places that happened, but it just had a control on us for whatever reason. I still have the Bible that my father was given when he was slung to the other side of the world as a 17-year-old boy to face the Japs. I still have the little testament that the government issued to them with a message from the President of the United States printed on the front page and a signature from the president saying, this book is important to you as you go into battle. Well, that, that says something about who we were. When I, when I look at Arlington and I look at the other veteran cemeteries and I see hundreds and thousands upon thousands of crosses, that explains who we are or who we were. Um, and that explains why we've become the most powerful engine of wealth and prosperity the world has ever known. Can it last? Not without Christ. And to be without the Bible, the older and the newer testaments, is to be without Jesus Christ. That is the revelation that he says he gives to us of his son. There's the laws of nature unwritten, that he has written in the way things are in creation. And there's a law, lex non scripta, says William Blackstone. And then there are the laws of nature written in the Bible, says William Blackstone in his commentaries on the laws of England. He's right. And that was a common understanding. Joe Biden said when he was running for president, nobody believes in natural law anymore. I don't think Joe Biden has a clue. I really, I'm convicted listening to him. He doesn't have a clue what natural law is. It's just something popular to say. Somebody, that's, somebody that steps off the top of a tall building knows what it is. Yeah, you figure that stuff out real quick. I'm reminded my brother used to tell the story when you said that about the difference between an optimist and a pessimist. And the difference is, uh, is the optimist, when he jumps off of the Empire State Building and somebody sees him on the 50th floor go flying by out the window and says, you okay? And he, an uh, optimist will say, I'm okay so far. <laughs> A pessimist, you know, oh, I'm going to die. You know? <laughs> okay. Well, back to you, Roger. It reminds me of the oh, story. Of the, the, oh, yeah. yeah no, well, that's where we started this uh, uh, this round, Robin. And I, I I just found that an interesting story when you told it years ago. And uh, I heard it the first time. It stuck in my mind. And there's a lot of new folks here. And uh, whoever's putting those messages in the chat room, please continue to put your messages in there. Just drop the emoticons because that's what's giving us the noise interruption. Go ahead, Brent. Well, uh, what happened to Justice Fields was, and this is a, I got a call. Again, I'm telling a story I think I told before. If you think I've told it before, I'll try to tell another one. But Justice Fields' life was adventurous because he was in a place where men settled their differences with pistols. And the courts were just getting started. And uh, because that was the spirit of the place he lived, everybody had to live that way. And he had a a coat made where he could keep two six-shooter Navy revolvers in the great big pockets in the sides. He didn't use uh, holsters. He used a big heavy coat because the other judge that was there 
in that town, he became a judge too, and then he was a lawyer, but had threatened to kill him. And this other judge that was there eventually became, one of them became Supreme Court Justice of the Supreme Court Justice of the Supreme Court of the State of California. And then after he lost an election for that position, he did try to murder Justice Fields. When Justice Fields was on the Supreme Court of the United States, <laughs> had come back to California to set as a visiting judge in the federal district court there. He was on the train, stopped in uh, Fresno, a, a, a train station in Fresno, got off to get something to eat at the little diner there. And this fellow was met him there and came after him with a butcher knife. Holy smokes. And the U.S. Marshal that was the bodyguard with Justice Fields uh, shot him dead. And the man was six feet, five inches tall. He was a formidable personality if it would come to a fight. And he had been the chief justice of the California Supreme Court. Yeah, but let me tell you what happened, how that, how crazy, again, how crazy men get. doesn't make any difference what position you have. Without Jesus Christ, you're going to go to the bottom. And he did. And he took up with a hooker, uh, a Goldfield, uh, San Francisco hooker. And they plotted together uh -oh. to try to steal all the, all the stock of the Comstock load mine. Ooh. This is a fascinating story. You know, everything revolved around gold and silver in those days. That was the real wealth of California. You know, Roger, in Northern California, they didn't even have any American coin money there. It wasn't, it was used some, but not until just before World War One, really just after World War One, did any U.S. minted money become common current currency in Northern California. Northern California, because there was so much gold and so many private miners and yes. gold dust and right. And right. That's what, and the silver from the Comstock load drove the economy. Yes. And uh, he had plotted with this hooker to do that. She'd been married several times before. And, well, they went into court one time, and uh, Fields was one of the judges, and I don't remember which court it was. This was after this, uh, this fellow had been Supreme Court Justice. And this uh, hooker, he had, he'd married for a wife. She had a pistol in her purse in the courtroom. They didn't discover this till later, and she was ready to shoot somebody, probably Justice Field. But he ruled against. Oh, it was a divorce case. That was the. <laughs> that's what it was. He was wanting. That's how they were trying to get all the stock of that mine because this old hussy had been married to uh, one of the big shareholders in the Comstock mine. That's what I remember now, and I believe he was a Jewish fella. I think, and you can look him up. Oh, I believe his name was there's, Sharon. There's Sharon. a big, there's a big surprise. Yeah, S H A R O N. But what a mix-up! So uh, Justice Fields got mad in the court courtroom and knocked out the bailiff's teeth. He was pugnacious to say the least. And of course, then he was arrested, which took two or three men. And then. Hold it now. Like, Fields the justice, or he or was the judge in that in that I think it's California court at that time, if I remember right. But you can read the memoirs. And uh, but I do remember he knocked out the bailiff's teeth <laughs> in the courtroom. I mean, hit him so hard, just knocked him plumb out and broke his face. That's what he did. <laughs> well, they said, "What are we going to do?" This guy's Supreme Court justice was a former Supreme Court justice of the state of California, Chief Justice. We got to do something. You can't let things like that pass. So they got together and they decided they'd put him in jail for a year for con criminal contempt, which is pretty good, getting off pretty easy after breaking a man's face open like that. 
Well, then after that, of course, that fellow was out to kill Justice Field. And uh, the U.S. Marshal killed him. And then the, and then the county, county sheriff arrested the U.S. Marshal on, uh, on, attempt, on, uh, on murder charges. The prosecutor had him arrested. And that became a flap. And that case, by the way, went to the United States Supreme Court. And the question was, can a, a state prosecutor, a sheriff, arrest a U.S. Marshal? Of course, the, the answer is, has to be, absolutely yes, if he's guilty of a crime. No question. But uh, Justice Field, uh, in that case, uh, he recused himself from that case and went to the Supreme Court because he was involved in it. But the court came up with an answer that was right but received a lot of criticism from the northern lawyers. You know, after the war... The people, the northern lawyers and the courts and just a lot of people just hated and they wanted to just kill everybody that had participated in the war that was from the south. And, uh, you know, they wanted to execute Robert E. Lee, you remember. And uh, fortunately, that didn't happen. But other egregious things did happen, like making Robert E. Lee's ancestral estate Arlington Cemetery, where they could bury Union soldiers. Correct. And what they did and, to uh, Jefferson Davis. Yeah. Yeah. All those things. Those are, that's unacceptable. You know, that, whatever happened. But, but yeah. Judah P. Benjamin's statue still stands in New Orleans. Yeah. I figured, right? Uh, well, hey, that's just, uh, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go Brett, ahead. this is Bob. Yeah, Bob. Good to hear you. I got three items. I actually got them written down. So uh -oh. remember, we're in trouble. <laughs> when you said savage was related to the woods, my mind immediately went to the word Sylvan. Yeah. And of yeah. course, Pennsylvania is Penn's woods. Yeah. Sylvan being mm -hmm. of the woods and they savage and Sylvan go back to the same Latin root of Silva. Mm -hmm. I was intrigued. I had never put savage you know years back you mm -hmm. have the you, you put forward the idea that one who was a heathen mm -hmm. had nothing to do with their spiritual originally right. nothing to do with their spiritual state of mind or state mm -hmm. of being but rather they were one who lived in the heath above yeah. the heather out of uncivilized which yeah. of course means in the city i just uh -huh. thought that was interesting being a word well, guy, no that might you just made a connection interest to some others yeah, you just made a connection that I haven't made, and that is, uh, yeah, the savage is the equivalent of the Latin heathen. It just means you live out in the woods or out in the out in the hinterland. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So it's yeah. no just call a man a savage isn't all that 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 isn't uh, an insult. It never was an insult when it started. <laughs> but matter of fact, it was yeah. a compliment. Can, you know? can I say something? Of course. Yeah, I, I just, as somebody who has Native American ancestry myself, as did my son, um, I, I really have to um, correct your characterizing of Native Americans as these filthy, animalistic creatures. Now, keep in mind, that's not my on the reservation. Charlie, is this Charlie? Charlie, is this you? 
Who, who's that's the not, who's the female that's I talking, please? Well, I want to, stop, but he's stop, Brent's stop. not doing no, what I'm she's talking. saying. He's characterizing no. up these people that said that. I'm I didn't say that. I'm telling you what this Apache Indian said. This makes that clear at the beginning. Because uh, listen closely to what I've said. I said over and over again, I am not. Uh, this is what he is saying. This yes, is not but I'm then saying. you made the comment that because you 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 made a non sequitur yeah. connection to that, making it sound like because they were supposedly not connected to Jesus, that's why they were in that condition. They were in that condition because for four hundred years their land and their culture was destroyed, and they were put on these filthy reservations with no food, no viable land and no way for them to care for themselves. Native Amen. Americans were actually impeccably clean people before well, I, the I colonists. Think you could, I think you could find plenty of testimony from them and others that would say otherwise. But that we, I wasn't there. I wasn't. I, let, let's not. I hey, whoever there. the whoever the female I, is here, I, I, we're oh, not degrading. Wait, I'm talking. It's it's not Charlie. Hey, no. All right. Whoever's saying <laughs> this, whoever's saying this, I've got Native American in me. I'm not offended. So you cut this crap out. You're coming in yeah, here I'm, trying to I stir know, things up. Don't like do it. The, it's kind of it's kind of like the Norman invasion of 1066. Yeah, eighty percent, eighty percent of Americans that have been in on this continent. And their families get your damn heart off your sleeve 1850 have american indian blood in their veins i do too uh roger says he does that doesn't surprise me most people do and because when men and women get together they make babies that's so to talk about that really is to not talk about anything that's unusual but i wasn't there i just know what i'm reading and i'm giving you the testimonies of other people now, you can go back and say, I don't believe it, but I, that's the testimony. That's the evidence. And uh, I'm just reporting that, and there's no sense getting upset about it or mad about it. As I had said, my ancestors going back to Europe and your ancestors, if you got any white blood in you, going back to that part of Europe were same thing, only worse. Uh, this is what men are without Jesus Christ. No, it will always come to that, that. History attests to, without question, there is no virtue, no dignity among mankind without Jesus Christ. It cannot exist. It does not exist. And if you want to go back and read profusely the testimonies of that, you can do that. But to argue about the dignity and the honor of man without his God and his Messiah is can't. It doesn't exist, never has. Back to you, Roger. Well, I just want to. Brent wasn't in, in slandering anybody. We started the whole show on slander and libel, so yeah. you can drop that whole line of question. And I've got my mother's grandfather was one hundred percent American Indian. Okay, so whatever that filters down to me, I've got that much Indian blood in me. All right, so just take your heart off your sleeve and quit being so damn sensitive in all this sensitive society that they've built up for us, and realize what's going on here. Okay, the the big the picture's the big thing, ain't it? Yes. Okay. So uh, anyway, sorry for that interruption, and I thought that was very uncalled for. Whoever you are and why ever you're here, that was very uncalled for by you, okay? 
So, what does anybody have anything constructive to bring forward, please? Yeah. Well, come on with it. You know, one of our one of our longtime listeners has written twenty four novels, all based on American Indians. So, don't you bring that crap around here. Well, her novels are romantic history. My okay, mom likes that's that right. Line. That's right. Her name is Kay, and she's wonderful. Okay. Yeah, there's a there's a lot going on, and Chinese general is now claiming that the red man was from China, and so therefore this land belongs to China. <laughs> <laughs> So you can go any way you want, right? But Brett is correct. Without Jesus Christ, you got Antichrist. Always. I mean, just look at the rest of the Have world. Have you ever heard of the American Indian? Have you ever heard of the American Indian medicine wheel? Yep. Yep, Dr. Wynn Parker. You, you can tie that back. You can tie that back to Noah and the what he taught on the ark. And then go to Numbers chapter 2, where Moses encamps Israel. Check that subject out. You know, it's interesting because it all okay. relates to Since we're to getting all... back to Israel, I'd like to get back to my second question. Could we, Bob, could we please get some sanity around here? <laughs> okay. Hi, Brett. How you doing? Uh, I'm still here, believe it or not. Go ahead. We're we're weathering the storm. <laughs> Speaking of which, Florida's actually got a little storm brewing coming in. It's raining on us, coming out of Cuba. Um, what I was wanting to comment on is something you mentioned here just a few minutes ago, the idea that the President of the United States, who I assume, if you're talking World War II, you're talking Truman, I mean, sorry, not Truman, uh, FDR, uh-huh. had a byline in the front of this testament or bible or whatever it was that they were handed out to the troops and i just kind of find that mm, humorous or or ironic or something that the whole point of world war ii was anti-christian i mean it was a banker's war you know i mean we knew the japs were coming into pearl harbor but yet we used that as a catalyst to get us into germany hitler was a made man by the wall street guys i mean everything about it stinks to high heaven and to say that that and i'm not saying that you're saying that but it gave me the implication that you know we were doing christ's bidding by going to war and i mean to me that is a matter of taking his name in vain to say that somehow we're doing this in a christian manner to i i can't think of a, a righteous war that we fought other than the revolutionary war Oh, I get your but, point. I get your point, Bob. I, I don't know. I'm just making the point. Me, though, I'm making the point that even the communist politicians like Roosevelt, in order to do what he had to do, he had to appeal to Christian sensibilities because that's all there was. And now so that he, I can buy. Yeah, that's what I'm trying. That's, that, what I'm that, trying. that's the that's the yeah. typical hiding under some other let's seal a name of course <laughs> yeah, that's like that's like uh, jimmy carter in that famous interview at playboy magazine saying he was born again well he had to <laughs> yeah what a place him. to put that out he had to do that and yeah. that got him elected president yeah anyway okay third item uh-huh Roger has a propensity. Roger, I'm going to grill you here, so Uh-oh. steal yourself. Okay. Uh, I've brought this up before, but I just you're going to bring you're going to you're you going to bring out some of my inferiorities and deformities, are you? I'm going to, I'm going to pick your nets here. 
<laughs> Roger continues to bring out the fact that there's only two times in history that men have had God-given natural rights, and that was Rome, and of course the first two hundred years in, when they were using they the tent the Christ that we're talking. No, no, no. But that doesn't mean they didn't have natural first, rights. I got you. Just, just chill out. We're getting there. But the thing is, our first iteration, if you want to say it that way, when we were, we as the nation, we as the federal states, whatever, the the when the uh, colonies became states or nations, you know, we had God-given, natural, common law, you can say it in multiple ways, right. And... I, I bristle at that every time you say it, Roger. You know where I'm headed. The Israelites, when they were taken out, pushed out, forced out by God, and 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 uh, the Pharaoh finally got tired of the of the problems that they were causing and just pushed them out because God was, you know, all the plagues. They were living under that exact system. In fact, we take our common law natural rights from that book that that puts this whole narrative to paper but yet you don't recognize that no. they in fact were a legitimate nation traveling about because nation has to do with their nativity not their not their geography per se and so I'm just wanting Brent to give a little bit of an opinion on that because, like I say, it just it, it frustrates me every time I hear you say there's only two times in history when, obviously, the second time you're speaking of the states united is copying that out of, you know, books that are informed, uh, what, Locke, I believe, and others, and, of course, the Bible itself, which is talking about this other time, and, and yet you don't seem to recognize it. well i rec don't recognize it because i'm not looking at it as an organized type of of uh, uh, of a society and that's sitting there not moving around and not mobile these those were in a kind of but a nomadic yeah, type of culture and society okay so and when i read say that bible. pardon me read the bible the old testament about it they were organized society that is, that isn't what very much so i understand that okay what you said. all right bob you need to i stand i stand corrected there's three times at least there's teutonic tribes that have the same as far as natural rights all right cetera. but anyway when we're getting our information from the book that documents this particular uh, 12 tribes traveling about i don't see how you can discount it that's what i'm saying and I was just curious of Brent's perspective. Well, I'd that. never thought of that in the characteristic of an organized in one place society, but as a nomadic type situation where they wandered in the desert for forty years. Sure. Okay. Anyway, so that that's I my my perspective on that. So for whatever. Clothes and shoes didn't wear out. There was a whole lot of supernatural stuff going on. No, I didn't discount any of that stuff. I just said sure. that's the only time. And I had some guy write me an email. I said, well, they were heathens. Well, that doesn't mean that gravity didn't work around them. Okay, sorry. 
<laughs> God had you all the savages. God, God had all the you know, off. I, I had some guy write me, pulls out in sections of the UCC, right? He's going, I disagree with you about confirmatory writings and this, this, the other. I said, okay, well, I'm teaching you what John put forward, all right? So if you can come up with another way that they can lock you into a secret contract at the front end of a voluntary system, why don't you bring it on? I'd like to hear your damn theory. I hadn't heard from him again, of course. Okay. So anyway, there's our whistler. So we, you guys can't hear that. I can, and that signifies we're finished for the day. And that may be a blessing today with the way this show's gone, quite frankly. Uh, Brent, thank you very much, as always. And uh, everybody else, I hope you got something out of it. And besides frustration and aggravation, which is mostly what I've gotten out of today. So uh, we'll be back uh, Sunday over there with Brent, following Brent on patriot soapbox and yeah. then on rbn and you can reach reach more brent winter at commonlawyer.com with all the common come and join our law classes there you we're go. teaching how to draft a common law trust and going through it clause by clause and blow by blow murka yeah murka patriot soapbox that's a patriot soapbox where i'm on saturday mornings and we're going through the book of Romans as, as we can. And then on Sunday mornings, I'm on right before Roger comes on with Thumper and we're going through, that's a church time there in church. And we're going through the book of Genesis clause by clause and blow by blow. And, uh, of all of the things that were said today, Roger, I think people, uh, get something out of it. I, I hope so. You get frustrated. Oh, you get frustrated. Oh, different people do at different times, but when there's sparking going on like this, that's when things are happening. And I guess that's want, right. Yeah, and I would say hi to all our listeners in Britain and Europe, but uh, they're off by now. I should have said something sooner. Well, we're still at the tail end. We're about to get cut off here in a second, and we'll see you either Sunday or uh, Monday after the weekend. Have a good weekend, and uh, hope you did get something out of today. So 